Hey everyone, I'm Casey. I'm Abby. And together we're the Lit Flicks Podcast. Every week we see how your favorite movies stack up to the books that inspired them. Some recent selections include Never Let Me Go and The Girl with All the Gifts. We also have a great TBR list you won't want to miss. We even have mini episodes for all you pop culture geeks out there. We'll fill you in on the latest in books, movies, and even the occasional celebrity mugshot. Did we mention we do all this while getting slightly drunk and a little lusty? Mostly Abby. Download from Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or visit our website at thelitflixpodcast.com. That's the L-I-T-F-L-I-X podcast.com. Hi, I'm April. And I'm Steph. And you're listening to The Thirst. You can find us online, Twitter, we're at The Thirst, soundcloud.com forward slash The Thirst pod. You can find us on Apple Podcasts by searching The Thirst. You can also now find us on Spotify by searching for The Thirst. Instagram, we're at The Thirst pod. And you can email us to thethirstpod at gmail.com. We've also got a new blog. We have. A new website. Yeah, bye-bye Tumblr, RIP. We just found it quite difficult because Tumblr decided to suck all the fun from the world. Just can't look at porn anymore yeah, Tumblr. so it makes everyone it difficult for anyone else to look at it, apparently. Who knew? So the new address is thethirstpod.wordpress.com. Lovely. Thank you so much for setting that up. Okay. Also, I forgot to mention Facebook. Oh, yeah, and Facebook. We're on Facebook as well as The Thirst, funnily enough. Surprise, surprise. So follow us on there and um, visit the website because that will be where we post sort of post episode links and interesting bits and pieces. Um, this is episode 27. 27. I've got a few. Oh, I haven't got any, so I've got one. I oh, have you? you go first. Okay. My, no, but what if yours is one? You go first because you've got one. Well, mine's just 27 Club. So yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. Famous people who died age 27. Brian Jones. Kurt Cobain. Jimi Hendrix. Amy Winehouse. Janis Joplin. That's ended my memory. Jim Morrison. Anton Yelchin. Oh, that's sad. I though. know. That's and genuinely also, sad. one I didn't realise, Jonathan Brandis, who plays Bill in the original E.T., didn't even realise he was dead. So He's dead. That's quite sad, isn't it? How depressing. Oh, Sorry. Um, also, uh, 27 by Fallout Boy and 27 by Biffy Clyro. Oh, sure. 27 Dresses? Oh, Catherine Heigl. Yeah, and uh, and actually I couldn't remember who it was with, so I put 27 Dresses with and then left myself to Google it, but I forgot, oh, so I'm glad you knew. Fine. Um, and also in Stephen King's It, which I've now mentioned twice in one episode, um, It Returns Every 27 Years to Derry. Oh, it does. So there you go. For once That's we've actually nice. had some stuff. Nice trivia. There we go. Um, so on to the news this time around. Um, as we said last episode, awards season is upon us and um, Oscar nominations. Yeah, yeah, they've happened. So the nominations so this year's Oscars were announced on January the 22nd early in the morning by Kimel Nijani and Tracy Ellis Ross um, the ceremony itself will take place on the 24th of February and just with regards to the nominations there are a few surprises a lot of non-surprises yeah. and a few frustrating omissions so we'll sort of blast through these a little bit so yeah. um, Roma and The Favourite are leading the way at this point with 10 nominations each A Star Is Born and Vice received 8 nods Black Panther had 7 Black Klansman grabbed 6 and Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book gave five each. A few less. That's 
better um, than the other the less said families. about the latter two um the, the better. better um some other interesting bits i sort of pulled from the list so uh, spike lee gained his first ever nomination yeah. for black Klansman. bradley cooper on the other hand did not. he got ditched didn't he that's sad he's not he's just not done well this awards season everyone expected but bradley cooper would get best director nomination the star is born just hasn't done well this awards it's weird, season isn't all. it that's What's happened that's one of the things i was going to mention so bradley cooper obviously got um nominated for best actor Gaga. It's not what he wanted. It's not what he wanted. Gaga did get her best actress nod. She did. Um, but apart from that, you know, I think best director was the one I think that everyone was absolutely assuming was an absolute shoo-in for Bradley Cooper. Yeah, and it's really, it's not going to be as, yeah, just, he's not even, not even in the running. So that's pretty... Poor Brad. Yeah, it's just, this awards list has all the tropes of just an Oscar nominations list really, doesn't it? You've got like costume dramas, all the big costume transformations, some safe race discussions. No, no real surprises. No, it's like a bit of a mix of like, oh, maybe we're progressing, but also no, nothing's changed. So you've got like Roma getting a bunch of nominations which yep. is very positive you've actually got sort of nominations for best director that are actually outside the united states that was a nice um, so that's good black panther has done very well which is nice to see i was pleased to see black panther in there because i know that when we'd sort of discussed in the past i think the popular oscar sort of award that had been proposed Ugh. a few months ago and everyone was saying that that's where black panther could end up yeah. and they ditched that idea so it's nice to see that actually i been... honestly didn't think it would get a best i didn't picture no. nomination so that's actually a really nice thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good. Timmy, obviously, lost out in the supporting actor category. Livid. Um, livid, not very happy. Feel like, for me, personally, in the supporting actor category, bearing in mind I haven't seen Green Book or um, Can You Ever Forgive Me, Sam Rockwell, I would say, shouldn't be in there, really. I didn't think he... For me, not really it's good weird, enough. It's weird, isn't it? That's we'll, where Timmy should have been. Yeah, we'll come on to Vice a bit later. I mean, I like Sam Rockwell, and he obviously won Fine. last year for three billboards. But I don't think he should be nominated for his role in this, though. No. It's just not memorable no. enough. I mean, so. um, in that category as well, I was pleased to see that Sam Elliott was recognised for his role in Star is Born, though. Yes, lovely. Very good. But, very good. yeah, Timmy lost out. I think the Academy are doing one of their, like, got to teach him a lesson. He's so young, he can't think he's going to get going to get nominated every year it's always that age thing isn't it and i do think that he'll i mean he's someone hopefully that will be nominated going forward again in the future for different roles but it is a bit like oh it's do you fine. think he'll get his award when he's like 45 like leonardo dicaprio yeah probably like, i'm just gonna teach him a lesson now and it'll be for like a lesser interesting yeah film. it'll be like all these other interesting films he's done and now you nominate him because he's old it'll be like scorsese getting an oscar for the departed when he clearly yeah. should have won it like, for like something better stupid just really yeah really really stressful um other things I thought were sort of bizarre was um, William Defoe has been nominated oh, yes. for Best Actor. Didn't even know, to be honest, that William Defoe was in anything. So. Uh, he's in that film Eternity, at Eternity's Gate. Sorry, yeah. um, it's got Oscar Isaac in as well. I think he plays. That's probably Paul why it's Gauguin. on your radar. You yeah, I haven't seen it. No, because even I was like what? not bothered. Yeah, that was a real curveball. Um, obviously, my personal thing that I'm pissed off about is lack of Ethan Hawke. Still not going well, is it? Do you know I mean, what? Right? He's been officially so, shut out. Of so everything. the thing is with these Oscars, I think they're going to be a classic case of we're going to look back in ten years and go like why the fuck did that win or why the fuck did we not oh, yeah, nominate stupid. this and I just feel like we're all going to look back and go like do you know what that was the year that Ethan Hawke knocked it out of the park with that film and we just decided to nominate and Green we, Book yeah, instead and we still thought Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> Bo Raps was actually Bo Raps which you know the GLAAD has removed it from 
consideration for the Outstanding Film nomination in their award ceremonies, like, but uh, still nominated for an Oscar. I'm so baffled by the success of that film. I'm baffled by the fact that it's even in the running for any of these awards. I'm baffled by the fact that it hasn't been completely pushed to one side given Brian right? Singer's involvement. It right? horrifies me, but that's... I'm baffled about that, that tweet I sent you the other day where it's literally like the, the, the editing in that scene of, what the fuck? It's like two second editing it's awful. there's like 60 different shots in like a 20 second it's crazy um a thing i'd like to point out as well which i think is just batshit to me so brian singer who was sacked from directing the whole film yeah due to a variety of different reasons on set he took points on the film he's still credited on the film yeah but he took points rather than a paycheck which that means that given the success of bohemian rhapsody he's gonna earn over 40 million dollars off this film so we're just giving an accused rapist 40 million dollars yeah it's cool isn't it that's cool, isn't it? 2019. Yeah. We're doing well. Great. Um, some other things I thought were a shame. I mean, we haven't seen if Bill Street could talk yet because it's not out here yet, but I'm very surprised. I had assumed it would get nominated for quite a lot. I did, given the fact that it's Barry Jenkins, you know, the director of Moonlight. It's his second um, major film in the last few years. It's and not, yeah, it, you know, not um, getting anything. Regina King was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Barry Jenkins is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. And then Nicholas Brutel, um is recognised in the score category, but there's nothing else for it, which I think is really um, surprising. And a real shame. I thought Widows might get a best film or something, but it's Widows weird. hasn't got anything, so that's a, a slightly bizarre snub. Um, there's obviously no women in the director category yeah. again this year. Again. Um, although Greta Gerwig was nominated last year, wasn't oh, yeah. she? But generally, obviously... Yeah, I mean, as a just a long-standing thing. Depressingly, that has not beca- that's not a surprise. Like, it was more surprising last year when Greta was nominated. And which people I think went, oh, look, awful. an actual woman yeah. in a director role. Um, so you mentioned uh, a lack of anything for Widows. Obviously, Beautiful yeah. Boy hasn't received anything. Boy Erased, Eighth Grade, there's a whole number of films. First Man. First Man, of got course. very... Did it get anything, just technical stuff? I think it got a lot of technical yeah. stuff. So, I mean... It is. It's it's a mixture of being like being really bizarre and having some really safe, obvious yeah. choices as well. They're just very unpredictable, aren't they? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the ceremony itself goes ahead. Um, at this point, so we're about no a month host. away. Um, there's no host still no. after the Kevin Hart for all. Um, the last time the ceremony was hostless was in 1989, and it didn't go well by all accounts. Yeah. Um, so, do you see that they've like they were rumored to offer Timmy like a a slot doing part of the hosting? Really? Like, almost like a shitty consolation prize. It's like, no. don't do it. He shouldn't even go at this point. Just don't go. I mean, I w- I'm willing to sacrifice seeing him in yet another amazing outfit. I... Because I just don't think they deserve his presence at this point. I would rather he stayed home and just Instagram storied him He's being He's starting to look a bit it. bored at award ceremonies now, so he should probably just stay I did home. enjoy him at the SAGs of a day looking, like, bored out of his mind. Um, on really the Oscars bored. front as well, ceremony-wise, there's only going to be, apparently, two musical performances yeah. at the ceremony. And they usually have every song, right? It's usually all five of the nominees perform. But I didn't realise, though, so um, the two performances are rumoured to be uh, Lady Gaga doing Shallow and then all the stars from mm-hmm. Black Panther soundtrack so um, Kendrick Lamar and hopefully SZA, SZA will do it but this is from Variety it says the Academy declined specific comment except to say that no decision on song performances has been made yet a source with knowledge for the, of the Academy's thinking says cutting songs is less a knock on the nominees than something long discussed as part of this year's mandate to limit the show to three hours interesting um, there is precedent for producers making a judgement call about how many to include none of the nominated songs were performed in the 2010 
and 2012 broadcasts and just three of the five nominees were performed in 2013 and 2016. Last year, word circulated early on that Sufjan Stevenson's nominated song was slated to be cut from the telecast, although after considerable feedback, yeah. it was ultimately included as part of a medley. That's mad. So I've also heard that apparently the Oscars are thinking of putting like the craft categories, like sound editing and sound mixing, into the commercials. They're not going to be televised, which I think is an absolute insult to those people. That's so rude. So you're basically saying, well, these these awards aren't like no one gives a shit about these ones, so we'll just put them. But the thing is, though, it's like I I'm always very interested in who does win like cinematography and stuff like that. So it's really like lazy. Well, if you're going to have the categories, like categories, fucking show them. It's lazy to assume that no one cares. Yeah, so it's real, really, really bad. It's a real shame. Who do you think will win versus who would you like so, to win in sort of the main categories? So um, there's the big five at the Oscars, which is Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and then Best Screenplay, so either original or adapted. So they're the ones that kind of, if you're... If you're nominated for those particular categories, that's a big deal. And if you win one of those categories, it's considered like the top ones yeah. in terms of the Oscars hierarchy. So for me, I think on the best fr- um, picture front, I think Roma will win. I think Roma will win as um, well. I would like the favourite to win. Samesies. Um Lead actor, depressingly, I have a feeling that Rami Malek is going to get it. I thought Rami Malek or Christian Bale maybe because yeah. they're like, oh, look at all the makeup. Yeah, I mean, I think I would quite like Bradley Cooper to win. Yeah, he's not going to win, I no, don't think. he's not going to. I just don't think they're going to really win much at all, no. apart from Song. I think it'll be Song. I don't think Gaga's got a hell in chance. So oh, no, no, On no, the no, lead no. actress front, I think that Glenn Close is Glenn will get Close's, it. Glenn Close is, yeah, um, she's going to everything. love to see Olivia Colman win it. Yeah, same. Absolutely. Um, director front, I do think Alfonso Cuaron, mm-hmm. good chance for Roma. I'd love to see Yorgos win, though. Yeah, we're the same. That would we be a treat. Um, so on the screenplay front for Adapted, um, I have a feeling it might go to Black Klansman. It could do. I thought Black Klansman, maybe Beale Street, if we're lucky. Yeah, I would like Beale Street to win... Um, mm. And it could be that that's where it does have its success mm-hmm. on the adapted front. And then for original screenplay, um, I have a horrible feeling it'll be Green Book. Green Book I yeah. obviously would love to see Paul Schrader win for First Reformed. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's got a hell in the hell No, chance, I think I think I think Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody are going to come out with significantly less than the other award mm-hmm. ceremonies, but I think they will still take something. High yeah, age. absolutely. Um, I mean, it's also a bit grim. Yeah, completely. So there have been some other award ceremonies, um, sort of recently as well. So we had the Critics' Choice. Yeah. On uh, January the 13th. So, a quick overview of that is Roma won Best Film, Afonso Caron did take Best Director, mm. Christian Bale won Best Actor and Best Actor in a Comedy. Confusingly, uh, Glenn Close and Lady Gaga both won Best oh, Actress. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. They loved a, a tie, don't Weird they? tie. Just, can we not do ties? Just decide. It's confusing. Just decide. Um, Herschel Ali won Best Supporting Actor, Regina King won Best Supporting Actress, um, Acting Ensemble went to The Favourite, mm-hmm. um, Paul Schrader won Best Original Screenplay, Barry Jane. Jenkins won Best Adapted Screenplay, Olivia Colman won Best Actress in a Comedy, and Best Song went to Shallow. Um, I do quite like with the Critics' Choice, they have a sci-fi and horror award. Yes. I mean, it went to A Quiet Place. Oh, did it? Well, mm-hmm. good. Oh, yes, of course it did. Yeah, that was actually nice. And nice to see A Quiet Place get some sort of recognition. I watched it again the other day, and it is a good film. It yeah, definitely. Um, Emily Blunt won, didn't she, at the SAGs as mm-hmm. well? So they took place on the 27th of January. Um, the, the SAGs are interesting, so the Screen Actors Guild, um, they're interesting because they're generally considered to be one of the most reliable sort of bellwethers of the Academy the, Awards. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes um, sense. With statistically, I think, best picture winners at the Oscars nearly always win at the SAGs. 
um, earlier in the year. So on the at the SAGs, it was Glenn Close one for female actor in a leading role. Rami Malek one for um, male actor in a leading role. Um, Emily Blunt one yeah. for uh, supporting actress. Mahershala Ali for male. Um, he'll definitely win supported act- I think, supporting actor at the Oscars. I think he, it's going to be a, a definite Mahershala yeah, win I think he there. Will. And then Black Panther one for cast in a motion picture as well, which is lovely. Um, and then before the Oscars, we've got a few more ceremonies. So you've got the Directors Guild of America on the second of Feb, BAFTAs of Feb tenth, and then oh, um, we'll get Timmy at the BAFTAs. We will get Timmy at the oh. BAFTAs. Um, interestingly, um, voting for the Oscars opens the day after the BAFTAs. I think okay because they have a voting period. Yeah, so there's a nomination. So is it quite small? And then it's a week. Yeah, so it's February tenth to the 17th and then the ceremony that must be quite stressful that's worse than me trying to do my taxes actually that's yeah one week I just feel like maybe if it was me I would see who win one at the BAFTAs and then be like I'm just gonna I assume that's what everyone's gonna do but I can only assume that is the case so um, you know we'll probably do another Oscars centric pod at some point yeah I think we should have a discussion about it it's interesting isn't it I think it's gonna be a funny old ceremony this year maybe a bit yeah a little bit weird weird year um, so our second bit of news that we wanted to discuss uh, for this episode is the first trailer for the new Ted Bundy film, which has dropped. So the film, which is called, and it's quite long, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, arrived a few days ago. Um, the film is directed by Joe Berlinger, who's a sort of a pioneer of a lot of true crime documentaries. He worked on documentaries about the West Memphis Three, about Whitey Bulger and about the Armenian genocide. So, And he recently worked notably on this Netflix series that a lot of people have been talking about called Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. So he's been working... He's, yeah, this film is coming out just after he's released the documentary. I think the film itself was on the Hollywood blacklist for a while before he picked it up. The film stars Zac Efron yep. as serial killer Ted Bundy. And it's got Lily Collins as well as Ted Bundy's girlfriend, whose name is Liz Kendall, I think. Yeah, so yes, her name Liz is Kendall. Elizabeth she's got two. She's, she's got, got two names, yeah. hasn't she? Um, so the film is intended more as a kind of character study about Bundy's double life as a serial killer. It doesn't show the killings actually taking place. Um, so it's sort of similar in respect to my friend Dharma mm-hmm. in that you don't you don't actually get the grisly details. And the trailer that we've seen so far shows snippets of Bundy's arrest, court appearances, time in prison, and it's all sort of through the lens of his relationship with his girlfriend. Um, the film itself is premiering at Sundance, uh, and that will be in the month that marks the 30th anniversary of Bundy's execution. What did you think of the trailer? Yes. Well, I think it's it's really interesting. So I I hadn't realised that it the director of the was also doing the Ted Bundy tapes. No, I hadn't realised. <laughs> had that no either. idea. And it was only actually when I think I went on IMDb and I was looking at the page for the film, and I was like, oh, I don't recognise that director's name. I'll click. I clicked on it, and then I was mm-hmm. looking through his film work, and I saw. And he's a very well respected director yeah. in that kind of that genre. Yeah, as well, documentarian, which is isn't it? So I, I mean. <laughs> So I and the thing is in the build up to this film and the trailer when we'd seen some teaser images yeah. I was very intrigued by the casting of Zac Efron mm-hmm. I fucking love Zac Efron I know you do and I was like wow this is he's very much someone who came up through Disney and then has right. really tried to distance himself and take on a variety of different roles so to go from and it's very similar to people really love casting Disney stars 
in like true crime slash just grisly serial killer well, films. Well, um, your man who played uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, who's in Ross Lynch. Ross Lynch, yeah, yeah, who's now in Sabrina. He obviously yeah. came up through Disney as well, didn't he? Came so, up through Disney, turned into uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm intrigued. By that can't and that can't be a coincidence that people getting really yeah people were deliberately casting these people. I feel like it must be there's quite tight parameters when you're working within a Disney uh, project. So mm. I imagine like you get typecast. Yeah. So I imagine and it's sort of like trying to find projects which don't define you as mm. much or are quite the antithesis of it. So I was looking forward to it um, for those reasons. I am... Um, the trailer is interesting to me because I... It wasn't what I anticipated. No, it wasn't what I anticipated either. To me, it seems very much like, oh, Ted Bundy, he was a wacky character. Quick, this what is a, a bit quirky. It's a bit of a romp, isn't it? It just feels like a the romp. The trailer is a bit of a romp. And I think that, you know, based on what the, the footage in the trailer, I think that Zac Efron looks like he's doing a very good job at, mm-hmm. at portraying someone who was known to be quite charming yeah. and was very good at, like you know, um, hiding him his true self, putting on one mask as it was mm-hmm, as one person mm-hmm. and then obviously completely flipping and being yeah. an absolute monster. I think he seems to do that quite well. But I'm just sort of troubled by the trailer because it does seem to give this weirdly light-hearted tone. Yeah, which... and it is such a... It's a very strange contrast to um, the actual Netflix documentary, yeah. which I've watched, which is very heavy on detail and pretty grim watching. You know, it is... Almost, it's almost like Berlinger has like got all of that out of the way. Like, here's my serious documentary, and then I'm doing this overly stylized but, Hollywood romp version. But that's what I find quite interesting because I mean, I haven't watched any of the documentary yet, but mm. it seems like I don't know why you wouldn't take everything that you've almost learnt through mm. being involved in that particular project and let it inform your film in a way that so it's it's I don't know. This it just seems like polar it's opposite. Weird. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's. I think Bellinger has talked about like his like he very deliberately has cast Zac Efron mm-hmm. because he's like a huge heartthrob and that he's got 37 million followers on Instagram um, and you know a lot of he he says he sort of loved the idea of subverting Zac's sex appeal and mm-hmm. charm which I do get yeah. I'm still not sure I massively agree with mm-hmm. um, I still find it a bit weird because we can say like it's a bit like you the Netflix show mm-hmm. you and that people go oh well you know they've they've cast this really hot guy to do these weird things and it's supposed to be ironic and it's almost like this is supposed to be ironic but I'm not really I'm I'm not sure about it and this idea of kind of he's spoken Joe Belling has spoken about wanting to use the film to dismantle stereotypes about serial killers and this idea of we want to be able to easily identify them in society and Bundy was such an anomaly and blah 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 and you never know who the serial killer is and I guess that I mean that is that is interesting and people are really drawn to Ted Bundy as a killer because he's so so different to like what most other serial killers are like I've just read that Mindhunter book Mm -hmm. and it's it's fine but it is quite repetitive because pretty much all of the the behavioral profiles they came up the guys are exactly the same mm-hmm. they're like really disheveled they're not well kept they're from damaged backgrounds they live at home with their parents they suffer from alcoholism and they're very like they're the same person and then he's a complete anomaly um so i can kind i can see that that's like a really interesting take but 
I don't know. I still feel a little bit weird that it does. It's falling into that you trap of everyone's just going to be like, lol, isn't it funny that I find Ted Bundy sexy? Well, this is one of the things I just wanted to talk about. So obviously as someone, I mean, I, re- I really like Zac Efron. I just, I think he's great. You do. We had this conversation the other and day that I'm not quite, I'm not, it's not that I don't appreciate Zac Efron. I just don't appreciate him in quite, to to quite the same degree That's as you. That's fine. I mean, he turned up at Sundance with really blonde oh hair, which my was God, a joy hair. to me. But the thing is, though, it's it's interesting when you watch a film like that. And obviously part of acting is that, like, actors are supposed to kind of be chameleons and, and you know, subvert mm. what your perception of them is. But it's really jarring to watch that trailer and just go like, oh, it's really going to be really hard for me to watch this because I really fancy Zac Efron. Yeah, and, in and the that's film, deliberate. That and is... the film, he's attractive, which is definitely deliberate. I mean, there was a really interesting piece I read this morning on, on The Ringer um, by Amelia Wedemeyer, which was, um, for many online, Ted Bundy is hot. And it's talking a lot about the fact that the, the combination of the trailer and yeah. this Netflix yeah. documentary Documentary, a lot of people are having discussions online about Ted Bundy's attractiveness mm-hmm. and almost confusing like Ted Bundy, the real person, with Zach Efron, with Zac Efron the, the film version. Um, I feel I, like there's a little bit of a danger in that. Like, I don't need, want to sound like that, just sounds really like wet of me to say, like, no, I don't, it's not. I do think it is a little bit dangerous. It is dangerous, though. and it's interesting because I feel like I had to. I think I posted the trailer and I was like, oh, it's weird that I found Zach Efron as Ted Bundy hot, but it's like I almost need to clarify it by going, like, I mean, Zach Efron, not Ted yeah, Bundy. Like, Ted Bundy is is not hot and I know even by like from you know serial killer standards I get that he's like attractive I think it's you know it's really important to remember we're not watching conversations with Ted Bundy and saying he's hot no and I think I just like to there's a quote on this particular piece so it says this ordinariness has been as much a part of Bundy's narrative as the murders themselves much of Bundy's appeal the argument goes is his ability to blend in with the rest of us his so called hotness derives from the fact that he looks exceptionally average Mm. and that is where the unavoidable truth regarding the horror of his crimes comes in if you ask this debased pocket of the internet bundy's acts do not negate his appeal they enhance it people love the forbidden it's why everyone is thirsting after joe on you mm-hmm. said tv writer alison herman referencing another albeit fictional problematic creep propped up by netflix also they understand ted bundy as an abstract fictional character much like the lead of any other netflix drama and i think that's the thing mm. is that it's like oh this serial killer but it's mm. really easy to forget that no 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 that's a person that genuinely like trapped and murdered multiple yeah and like people. dismembered women like multiple people many many people many, and also many many Zac many Efron women is a very hot ted bundy yeah that's not actually equal to what ted bundy like he's not ted you're bundy. actually going out of your way to yeah you have cast someone who is vastly more handsome than ted like people i don't think everyone in the street was like gaping at ted bundy like he's so hot it's just as you say he was like normal and charming yeah so he was attractive yeah for a serial killer. Well, that's because why... Because a lot of them, like, have no hygiene. Like, it's that level of... Yeah, of course. But, that's te- why... I mean, Zac Efron is, like, you would turn and yeah. look at him in the street. That's... It's a bit of an extreme... But And Ted Bundy played to that, didn't he? That was mm. one of the things that he did to kind of find his victims was, you know, ask for help in the street or yeah. because he was a likeable, normal person. So yeah. I, just, I have found this sort of discussion about the documentary itself and the trailer to be very interesting and slightly bizarre and I can only imagine it will worsen when the actual film yeah, itself it's, comes out. It, and it has been interesting that it's come out after you and around these Ted Bundy tapes. Um, Vulture is also interesting. They've got a series at the 
comment on the domination of true crime and mm-hmm. pop culture. So there's a few articles on there that are worth linking to and looking at. There's one which is called Why is Ted Bundy Suddenly Everywhere? And it talks a lot about like the Bundy binge and how we sort of commodified him in particular and serial killers and sort of as a because they were so prolific in the 70s and 80s, it's like a safe distance away from us. And, you know, we can kind of talk about serial killers right now because they're not something that are in the front of our minds as a worry. Like, we don't think of it as a modern day thing. To, mm-hmm. But yeah. it's a really interesting article about Bundy and about sort of this true crime obsession with serial killers in general, which I'm completely on board with, obviously. Oh, yeah. and it's, I can't help myself. But, it's something we've talked about, you know, when we talked about Mindhunter in the past. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about True Detective mm-hmm. in a bit. And it's it's something that, you know, true crime is just sort of, I don't know, it's just everywhere in pop yeah, culture. Yeah, and it's moment, great that it? it's been uh, accepted as a thing now, as in, like, it's not a weird quirk yeah. to be into, and that's lovely. But there is something really odd going on here with the over, like, sudden over-sexualisation of, like, white male serial killers that have... It's just a it's bit... It's made me feel quite it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, so we'll be looking out for that once it's uh, premiered at Sundance and once it's out in the cinemas. I'm sure it will be a huge topic of conversation for us. Just one other quick thing um, before we go on to what we've been sort of watching and enjoying recently. Um, Well, two things, really. Firstly, um, we were mentioned in a Refinery29 article the other week um, called Club Chalamet Meet the 30-Year-Old Superfans of Timothy. Brilliant. Um, Thank you to Ella for uh, featuring us in that and featuring The Thirst, which was um, really lovely. Very kind. And yeah, very kind. And um, hello to anyone who's listened to the podcast off the back of that. Hi. Um, Lovely to have you. And uh, it's a really good article and it talks a lot about the kind of rise of older Stan culture and how we should reconsider a lot of the sort of nary... uh, a lot of the negative stereotypes um, around being an quote-unquote older person, which basically means being about over 25 and being really into, you know, certain people or elements of pop culture. So definitely recommend that. Um, Which also brings us on to just there's a lot of there's a lot of timmy going on at the moment. Like this is a real, you know, this is a real saturated, well, it's not saturated because I fucking love it but have too much. yeah it's almost we decided that we almost needed like a little timmy time in yeah. each episode because it he's just doing so he's just everywhere at the moment and Busy there's been boy. like six different things going on so we just have to i feel like i can't go through an episode no. without mentioning what's been happening i think we just need to have a regular feature for a bit that is just updating the world on what timmy's doing the irony being that in a few weeks he's literally going to disappear off the earth for seven months to That's film what we need to June get it all or whatever in. so we're squishing it in and for those who aren't that interested the end is probably in sight but for now we had leather trousers at the sag awards that was a good vibe that was I'm really into his sex dungeon look. It's good, isn't and it? I'm glad he's discovered leather. Yeah, I'm waiting for him to discover nine inch nails. I like that you're just pinning all of your hopes in the world. Oh my, he's got long hair, leather trousers. It's I'm really I'm sort of angling for this Trent Reznor vibe here, yeah. and I'm hoping we're getting there. But it's a very good look. Um, he was in England for a bit. He was. We had the Graham Norton show. That's with a treat. Lovely Sasha Ronan as well, which wasn't fucking. I can't. I can't even look at the two of them on screen. I can't together. look at them together. 
They've definitely banged. I hope they've banged. I hope for all of our sakes they've banged. If they haven't, it's an injustice. It really is awful. They're the two people that I just really want to be together with all of my heart and soul. He, Although she, I think she's probably a bit too cool for him. She's the only person I think is it, it's okay for him to date. Right, because she's so good. She's so cool. And where he was like nuzzling her like a... Please don't. Boy horse. Please don't talk strange. about it. Um, he was also on Radio 1, which I haven't listened to yet. But, you know, that's the thing that happened. We had a lot of June news recently. Great week for June chat. June chat. Lots of June chat. Can't wait to get into that when it comes out. Um, the latest piece being April. Oscar Isaac is going to play Jimmy's dad. <laughs> that's a lot, isn't it? Oh, my God. So the, it was What a, are we to do? So I just would like to clarify. There was two hours where it was initially touted that it yeah, was going to be Christian Bale. I mean, literally within hours. So Christian Bale and, and Timmy have become this weird, like, they keep being at awards ceremonies. Father and son and couple, and chat, yeah. And it was like... Christian Bale's going to sign on and be his dad and I was like totally on board and then literally an hour later it was like actually it's Oscar Isaac and he's definitely doing it and I was dead yeah I feel like someone in a PR team was like fuck this he's not stealing the limelight because it is Oscar so we're yeah we're, we're letting it drop we're letting it drop so Oscar that's Isaac big news the thing is that concerns me though Timmy quite tall Oscar, Oscar quite not, small not, not tall do you think they'll put him on platforms yeah, or probably. something that would be great just I'm, all angled like all the cameras filmed from below angled, so yeah. it looks really make tall make him look really tall um, we had Vanity Fair's Hollywood issue oh, which God. was lovely um, featuring amongst others uh, Elizabeth Debicki Rami Malek Chadwick Boseman Sasha Ronan Nicholas Holt uh, Tessa Thompson David, John David Washington Henry Golding Yulitsa Aparicio yeah. Uh, Regina King and Timmy. That was also lovely he and so handsome. complete so handsome. Was he and wearing leather in that? Yeah, he was also wearing leather in this. Oh, it's just the dream. My absolute goth dream. And uh, just he and Sasha Ronan, you know, we get in the field. Please don't again. Picture of the picture of them with like his hand firmly like so on that. her and her hand on his thigh is my phone background at the moment. Lovely. It's also the uh, picture of our group chat with Vaughn. Oh yes, had to change it because I, I was so that. excited by the, the physical contact. It's great. <laughs> and finally today... This one's mad. Completely bizarre. Just took a right turn there. It's Kid Cuddy's birthday. Happy birthday, Scott McCuddy. And he had a birthday party which featured... <laughs> Which looked like it was at Wagamama's, but I've been reliably informed is at... Nobu. There you go, somewhere a, a bit posher. A fancy sushi... I can't talk today. Fancy sushi. Which is a fancy sushi restaurant. But looks a little bit like Wagamama's, to be honest. And he invited his best friends, um, Pete Davidson, sure. Timothy Chalamet... Sure. Kanye West and uh, assuming Kim Kardashian was there just to take the photos Kim was the one who tweeted the pictures out so I can only assume that she either was there and took the pictures she was like mum behind the camera yeah like just constructing this weird narrative I just find it really odd like do you reckon, I said to you I earlier... Are his only friends? Well, I said to you, like, you know when you're a kid and it's your birthday and you want to go out somewhere, but your mum is like, we can only take three people because yeah. it's expensive to go to whatever you're going to go and do. And it's expensive to, to drink Fiji water from yeah. an actual, like, fucking champagne bucket style thing, which is the silliest thing I've ever seen. But, so you have to pick three of your favourite people. So how nice that he chose Timmy, aka his biggest fan in the world. It's so funny. So really, I mean, if you haven't seen the photos, it's worth looking at because it's it's like the it's just like the universe has glitched and we don't really know what's going on. I'm slightly worried about the prospect of uh, Timmy hanging out with Pete Davidson. Yeah, don't be become like we know you're a partial stoner, but don't become like 
just horizontal in terms of just your life choices so just be a little bit careful about that yeah probably some more updates timmy time next time timmy time will be ongoing time yeah ongoing until he disappears for seven months but i'll see if i can scrape the barrel then so under what we're currently enjoying um we went to the cinema at the weekend to see something that had been um sort of on the horizon for a while despite the fact that it felt like it's been out forever and we went to see vice it's directed by adam mckay it's a follow-up to his 2016 film the big short which took a glaring look at the 2007-2008 financial crisis and um, vice stars christian bale as dick cheney former u.s president and follows him on his path from his life in wyoming to his position within the bush administration from 2001 2009 and in particular his involvement in integral decision making in the wake of 9-11 and the US's eventual invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq um, it's sort of a vast ensemble cast like most um, Adam McKay films Christian Bale is supported by Amy Adams who plays uh, Dick Cheney's wife Lynn Steve Carell plays uh, Donald Rumsfeld Tyler Perry plays Colin Powell and Sam Rockwell plays George W. Bush amongst other recognisable faces much like the big short Vice employs a similar kind of unusual technique of explaining complicated uh, political rhetoric and governmental actions um, so for example we've got Jesse Plemons appears as a character called Kurt fictional character um, he's an Iraq and Af- Afghanistan veteran and outside narrator who sort of talks us through various different parts of the film um, what did you think so initially I wasn't sure whether I was even bothered about seeing this. Well, and we then, only went to sort of see it because it was cheap. <laughs> yeah, it was cheap. <laughs> only a few pounds, a few British pounds. And, you know, it's been, it's had a lot of awards attention. So we were like, oh, we might as well see it. You know, Christian Bale. I thought it was quite a good biopic, which sort of recaps the rise of Cheney's career, you know, in a, a way that's sort of quite darkly funny, but also pretty grim we can go on to that i haven't seen the big short so this kind of style wasn't mm-hmm. i wasn't entirely anticipating it because i haven't seen the other film i like it i i mean it was it was good but it was like i don't love it i think personally it was as someone who doesn't know loads about the the cheney's career it was a good sort of recap mm-hmm. of the rise of his career and kind of what happened but i imagine it didn't offer anything particularly revelatory or shocking to people who kind of knew what was going on so yeah. it was sort of an interesting dramatization of it on quite a superficial level Mm -hmm. I guess do you know what I mean yeah yeah I do I mean I think it thinks it's cleverer than it is yeah I think that's probably a good way summing it up yeah I mean so when I saw Big Short I I will say off the bat I think the Big Short in terms of um, Adam McKay's films of this type is a lot better okay I really enjoy I mean enjoys the wrong did he make the financial crisis seem interesting he did okay because I couldn't give two shits about that um, it's worth seeing because it's got a lot of really good performances from a really great cast it looks at something that is so complicated Mm. and and horrifying in a way it makes it very similar to here yeah Yeah, it makes it digestible and it also makes you realize how it's just people that know how to beat the system and have power Mm. have the ability to essentially like ruin a lot of things for a lot of people it's just a nice thing to be reminded of in a day when basis, i am um, april when i saw the big short i left the cinema just feeling really angry and sick and anxious about the Brilliant. state of the world and when <laughs> some we, nice escapism though. right and then when we left vice i felt very similar in yeah. the sense that you know for us i think like 9 11 and and the subsequent Iraq invasion, yeah, yeah. all of that is very like recent history. Yeah, it is for me. It's, it's one, actual. It's political history that I actually remember. It's one of those things that I think we'll look back at 
at in like you know 30 40 years Mm. when and our sort of children or relatives or whatever are kind of studying it at school and we'll be able to say yeah we'll be Mm. able to say like oh yeah this was this big thing that essentially changed the world forever and it was it was interesting to look at the way that dick cheney had been so involved in that and particularly where he'd come from because to be yeah i didn't know where he'd come from like his background his upbringing his earlier life so that was quite interesting yeah i mean it's someone he's someone who's name i know and it and his role in the bush administration is something i was like vaguely aware of but it was interesting to sort of look at how the film proposes that he was actually fairly integral in making a lot of decisions for example the sort of he'd wanted to invade iraq for a long time and then and then used and then used 9-11 as a way to make it happen Mm -hmm. um i it has been interesting since seeing the film to read a little bit into whether actually it's a particular factual yeah point of view i mean yeah. what i thought was quite funny is as we as we were getting ready to leave the cinema there's almost that like halfway through the credits there's that yeah. scene where it's a, a kind of marketing oh, focus the testing group, group. yeah the, the testing group, group. Yeah. and they're talking about it's they're they're characters that have appeared in the film um as a testing group mm. that are being talked about that they, they were a group that was the iraq war was being discussed with yeah um because Basically, so, to test what like yeah, the, public the general perception. public a feeling yeah which is something that happens quite frequently but it was almost this kind of breaking the fourth mm, wall and getting them mm. to talk about the film and one of the characters talks about how it's a very liberal point of view and obviously yeah. it's a liberal agenda and everything and in that in that way it feels very knowing but at the same time it's it's sort of you know Adam McKay is quite a political filmmaker. The mm. Big Short is a very political film. He's got an agenda when it comes to presenting a film like this. And it's not that you um, want to know what the other side is, but it's 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 hard. I think it affects your viewing of it. Because the thing is, Dick yeah. Cheney is someone that isn't likable. He's someone no, who's... No, no, I mean, and in this, he's just incredibly power-hungry. Yeah. Almost for no reason what... Like, we don't really know why he feels... We don't no. really know why the way... He, why he feels the way he feels. He's just pretty much like a really power hungry monster and like there's the odd bit like oh but his heart scares and his you know and his daughters and whatever but mostly it's like this guy's just like a piece of shit really so so one of the things that adam mckay does do throughout the film is dick cheney was known um he was quite notoriously had multiple heart attacks over the years especially sort of during particularly fraught political time periods and what mckay does in the film is posit this as a way of kind of you know anytime there's a big political thing is he has a heart heart attack attack. and i think what he's trying to do is suggest that you know taking this very physical thing of his heart his heart attacks to suggest that he has no heart like he's a heartless person and there's also um something i would have liked a little bit more of a deep dive into almost was the fact that so one of um dick cheney's children one of his daughters yeah yeah is gay that was an and interesting um, take dick cheney is republican yeah and then eventually i didn't realize um his daughter liz cheney um she ended up running for yeah. becoming a senator and she ran against gay, gay marriage, marriage yeah, and that's something and then hard. she quite outspokenly said that she doesn't believe in gay marriage after mm-hmm. it was leaked to the press that her sister was married to a woman yeah and it's something that you know dick cheney in the film is positive as someone that 
actually says to his daughter, no, it's fine, we love you, you know, there's nothing. Yeah, effect, that's like effect. one of the only bits of yeah. like, oh, he does have a heart. For me, it was his sole bit of redemption was actually yeah. saying that like, this is this is a relationship that so easily could have been burnt very, from a very young age. It's, it's, it's quite surprising actually that he yeah. doesn't screw up in that yeah. respect. But it was, you know, it's, I, I just don't know if that was particularly effective. I mean, I think that Christian Bale's performance as Dick Cheney, it can't go on. Well, you know, he does great. it well. And I always feel a bit sort of apprehensive of like transformative roles. Mm. Like, look how much weight he put in. Obviously, yeah. it's interesting. But he does, you know, the acting itself is always, I mean, it's Christian Bale. It's always going to be great. Yeah. And I really liked Amy Adams. I yeah. Yeah. Really, really, really good as Lynn Cheney. Um, I liked Steve Carell. Yeah. He was um, kind of one of the only really kind of humorous, humorous characters, but also one of the most cutthroat yeah. of all. Sam Rockwell, as I'd said before, like does a good impression of George Bush, didn't linger with me particularly long, didn't really care. Like, okay, George Bush is a bit of a clown. That's kind of all I got from that. It doesn't really do much to demystify this Christ idea. No. He's exactly what the media have kind yeah. of posited him as, really, isn't he? I thought it was going to be funnier than it was, actually, yeah. based on the trailer. And mostly, as you say, I just felt quite grim I think the thing that I struggled with as well was when we were watching it and I, again going back to this idea of it being quite recent history is I still find it really hard to watch footage of 9-11 oh, I still find all really of hard. the footage from the Iraq war all yeah. of the really despicable treatment of people being tortured during that period all yeah. of the um, soldiers and army mm-hmm. you know personnel filming yeah. their treatment of so people grim. I find it really hard yeah. and it's and it should be hard it should be difficult mm-hmm. but it, I think it's just because it feels so recent and also I think for me a lot of the time I'm just baffled by the fact that it happened and the fact that that's how do you know what I mean like it just feels really surreal there's a surreal element to it so I don't know it wasn't an enjoyable film in the sense that I came away thinking like oh you want to watch that yeah and I didn't I mean for me it was learning because um I didn't really know much about Cheney's career path but um I imagine for people maybe in America who are like really well versed in it might not be of like there's, I, I didn't think there's probably anything revelationary there. No, and, like and, and, um, and critical response to it has been interested as well. I've seen some very like over the top praise for it, but then similarly, I've, I've seen reviews that have been like, been like I don't really understand it's a bit of a damp squib really yeah, yeah I don't really understand why it's getting lots of praise I mean the, the award hype for it doesn't really surprise me because like you say I think because it's a transformative role for Christian Bale it's someone who is a political figure who's mm. r- largely derided by most people yeah so it's and, and you've got I think there's a lot of reasons there why it's a awards bait almost yeah. it's just I felt like it was just like the darkest hour of like mm. this year but I think it is yeah I mean the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was the like the meta elements so there's Mm -hmm. you know it's incredibly and I imagine this is kind of the way the big short was Mm -hmm. filmed as well you've got like I don't know some of it for me because I wasn't quite expecting Mm -hmm. the sort of breaking the fourth wall elements it was a little bit jar I wasn't really sure they sort of came out of nowhere it was like well they're suddenly doing like Shakespearean speeches um... and they're suddenly like I don't know it was interesting actually because I obviously so having seen the big short there's a couple of things in the big short where it sort of almost pulls away from the narrative and you have people explaining really complicated financial terms so there's a scene where there's Margot Robbie's in a bathtub and she's explaining to you like one particular thing there's a scene where Anthony Bourdain God Mm. rest his soul is talking about something else and it's almost kind of like you see all this stuff happening and then it's like freeze and then they yeah it's like oh you know we know that no one understands what this terminology means 
here's someone, you know, here's someone to make you, not like patronise you, but it's sort of like, here's something to make you understand all this really complicated stuff that purposefully people don't want you to understand because if you understood it, you'd be terrified. You'd be terrified, So I knew going into it that I that Vice would probably have Mm. some of those similar Mm. stylistic things. So I'd anticipated. So when it happened, it was still jarring, but at the same time... Some were a little bit weird. Like, yeah, yeah, I quite... And I, you know, I quite enjoyed the sort of tongue-in-cheek, like, the end credits that happen in the middle of the film. Like, I kind of liked stuff like that. Some of it, I just felt a bit... I don't know, some of it threw me a bit. Like, Jesse Plemons' narration, it sort of came out of the... Like, it just sort of begun halfway through, didn't it? To me... It was a bit weird. I feel like the way that Adam McKay uses that type of filmmaking works really well in the big short. For me in Vice, it felt really all over the place. Yeah, it was. And it was because you... Yeah, you were suddenly introduced this idea of, like, a yeah an outside narrator, but, like, halfway through the film. And it was yeah. like, who the hell is this guy? And then yeah. you find out at the end. Um, I also found, in particular right at the end where Cheney kind of pauses and does almost like a breaking the fourth wall fucking house of cards speech yeah. I found that a bit weird as well I, I wasn't like really that. fussed by that no interesting. I was like that... why is he doing this like evil Machiavellian speech uh, that was a suggestion by Christian Bale and he was and it? Adam McKay wrote it together oh and I wasn't into it. it yeah it's um, just like why are you doing I get no. that you're a despicable man you're basically yeah, Kevin Spacey in House of Cards, but I just, I it don't know, I just thought it a bit odd, weird. Didn't it? So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I would be really interested, actually, if you did ever watch The Big Short at any mm. point, what you would make to of it. To see whether, I, I, it does sound like generally people think that's the better film. I, I think it's the better of it. It's one that I, I really want to watch again, actually, but I just have to gear myself up for it because it was such an <laughs> For a horrible bummer. time. Yeah. yeah, and especially given the current political climate, it feels mm. a bit like you know sort of it's set obviously in 2008 so it's like 10 years ago but it's like mm. things have only gotten progressively worse so yeah. so i imagine we're agreed on it being like a good film worth seeing but not probably not going to make like our top lists no and i'm i'm glad that i've seen it because it was getting so much awards hype i was just intrigued yeah um, but i can't say it's something that i will probably go Grab back to. to watch again no no. Something else that we've been really looking forward to, actually, I couldn't wait for this to um, start airing on TV again, uh, the third season of True Detective, which started airing on HBO this month, directed by Nick Pizzolato, Pizzolato? Pizzolato. Pizzolato. Um, who's also the showrunner and the writer, and he came up with the entire concept of True Detective. So as most people probably know it's an anthology crime drama series so this season is entirely separate to the others although there are some parallels that perhaps can be drawn um, between them this season stars Mahashala Ali as Detective Wayne Hayes and Stephen Dorff as his partner Detective Roland West the story plays out across three separate time periods so it begins in 1980 with the dis- disappearance of a young brother and sister uh, investigated by Wayne Hayes and Roland West then we move to 1990 um, where both detectives now former partners they're no longer working together are subpoenaed after a major break in the case and then there's also a third timeline in 2015 where Hayes is an older man suffering from what we think to be Alzheimer's who's being interviewed by a journalist about the case so we have been waiting for this for a while yeah we both loved season one loved season so two was a letdown did not finish no I finished but well, could not care less Vince Vaughn no thank you couldn't care less despite Colin um, Farrell, that's a real testament. It's so to weird, isn't it? Because that season, because season one was just like an absolute phenomenon. Some of the best TV I've seen. It's some of the best. Te- I I still think about season one of Me True too. Detective so often. Yeah. So I think we were 
apprehensive that there was going to be a season three. Very much so. Then we had Mahashala Ali on board when it was like, okay, this could be interesting. And then hearing about the premise, I got excited because it did sound like they were going essentially back to season one. So we're now, we're four episodes in. And so that's halfway through this season. There's eight episodes. How do you feel so far? So I will preface this by saying that I was really hyped for it in a way that I hadn't necessarily expected. Given, given I could not be asked with season two, I think don't I don't care about whatever it was tax and land land and tax permits. and permits and stuff. Couldn't give a shit. Not even the cast of that could make me care. Not and even I was Colin so Powell. I was really surprised actually that after I saw the teaser and I saw the casting and blah 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 for this season that I was like really pumped on it. I really enjoyed the first two episodes so it's yeah. worth saying that the first two episodes they came out together basically yeah they were but, yeah. dropped as like a two hour kind of special sort of combo and um, the first two episodes of the show were directed by Jeremy Solnier yeah. who's uh, known for Blue Ruin and Green Room and I just really yeah, that's... I really thought Telling. that it did a really good job aesthetically of setting the tone. So the series is set in the Ozarks, so Arkansas. Love it's it. a kind of very, you know, very similar regional tone, I guess, to True Detective. The yes, first season. so much. Love me a rural Southern American crime story. There's something really creepy Ooh. about the Ozarks. Yeah. A lot. Um, so I really enjoyed those first two episodes. Um, I... I'm just a bit concerned at this point. Are you a bit... Did you find... I mean, this is... I don't want to go in, but it's, it's slightly lagging, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I watched... There's not much momentum there. No, and I feel like the first two, I was like, okay, I'm on board. Yeah, okay, it's getting interesting. Episode three, I just... I can't... I can very, remember very little about mm-hmm. it, to be honest, because I just watched it and was like, I need to watch this, I need to do it. Um, I just don't think that, for me, at this point, there is the momentum. However, episode four, mm. I am hoping that it's on the up yeah there's things yeah. that happened in episode four so there's a lot to do with um i'm really enjoying again wrong word but i think the use the use of the occult is very interesting oh, yeah very comparable to, to to season one you know satanism the illusions they've got to the sort of the west memphis three there yeah they're drawing on a few true crime cases the, from that time which is really interesting the yeah. um the satanic panic kind mm-hmm. of vibe i am interested in the kind of recurrent theme of vietnam mm-hmm. the vietnam war and yeah. how it affected those who went and came back so obviously Detective Hayes yeah. so Mahershala Ali's character was a, a lerp in the Vietnam War so he was a kind of reconnaissance man mm. who would just go off and do tracking um, and it's interesting to sort of think about so the first timeline is 1980 so it's mm. directly you know very soon after the Vietnam War and it's interesting to sort of think about the way that, that would impact a person mm. how you go from being in this sort of slightly fraught war zone to coming back and adjusting to normal yeah, life absolutely. particularly in that particular region as someone who's African American must mm-hmm. be particularly tough you do also see the impact that that's had on other characters as well yeah. so there's the trash man who they oh learn, yeah yeah trash they man. learn that he was in vietnam Somewhere. as well and that becomes sort of a connection that he and wayne mm. hayes have so i'm i'm kind of interesting in how that would affect you know the, the way that you live your life there's obviously lots of interesting things to say about race particularly yes that, yeah absolutely um that area um i think that was sort of something that was picked up in in episode four mm-hmm. so you've got the very separate areas of sort of the white community and yeah. the kind of maligned black community and I think there's interesting things to say there but I am just I don't know man I think I texted you after we watched yeah. I watched the f- episode four and I said I'm 
really intrigued to see what you make mm. of this and how you're finding this season because up to this point we hadn't really discussed it yeah i mean i'm very similar to you in that i think the first two episodes i was really excited about it set a tone that was quite similar to true detective the first mm. season yeah. and i think if I do think, actually, if this had been season two, obviously I'm still a sucker for loads of conspiracy and cosmic horror is going to yep. be something that I love. I'm still a sucker for it. But if this had been season two, I'd be like, what is the point? We've just had season one. So I think I was excited for this because season two let us down so much that I was like, oh, back to the, you know, back to season one, the feeling there. I think that's my worry at this point is I'm concerned that it's going to be a retread. Slightly retread, yeah. I mean, and it does, it retreads, you know, a fair amount of the tone and the story of season one with Mm -hmm. these two kind of, these young people. I really, really like this kind of untrustworthy narration. There's a lot of use of memory and time, which is very similar to season one. As I said, Detective Hayes in 2015, he's suffering from what we think to be Alzheimer's. So the the, the three time, um, the t- three threads of time are kind of all intertwined and they also spill into each other, which I really like. Mm-hmm. So we don't really know, even when we're being told the story, what is actually true and what isn't, which makes for some really great conspiracy theories, yeah. which is so much fun. Yeah, Love the cosmic horror stuff. Lots of references to Dungeons and Dragons, cults, rituals, sacrifices. There's a loads of H.P. Lovecraft stuff yep, in there Lovecraft that people have been digging up, which I don't know loads about H.P. Lovecraft personally. Wes will be all over that. But, I mean, it's just so... There's lots and lots of stuff in there for people to dig out, which I really love. Mahershala Ali is obviously... He's, he's great. He's, so he's the star. He's the reason to keep watching yeah. in the same way that Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were the reason to keep watching to begin with. Really fancy Stephen Dorff, so fine. Troubling. <sighs> Weird, isn't it? <sighs> um, so much. But I found that I was... Episodes one, two, three, I was on board. And I actually was getting a bit bored in episode four. Oh, interesting. And okay. I realised that I was checking my phone quite a lot. And I was like, oh, this is taking just slightly too much time to kick off now. Yeah. I mean, We're I halfway think, through. I think that it's... I like the, you know, the, all the stuff with time. And I think there's a lot to be said there about trauma as well. And yeah, the impact absolutely. Of, so the trauma of going to war, but then also the trauma of dealing with a harrowing case. Yeah. And, and how, you know, an unsolved case would perhaps, or a case that had issues... Would perhaps mm. affect how you would go about your life which i think is obviously you do you see the impact of that, of that quite a lot in season one don't you mm. with russ cole about how yeah. it's almost kind of the durodang case was something that not being able to solve mm-hmm. it was a huge frustration him. for him and it haunted him and you could see that in the later when you've got those yeah. comparative you know him at the time and mm. then him later on you can see how that would haunt and it would affect your relationships perhaps with mm. your working partner so we obviously we do see that you see that the fact that wayne hayes and roland west in 1990 um, at the a time se- yeah they're, they're, separate. they're separate they haven't been speaking to each other that's kind of it's end when they stopped working together it ended but we yeah. don't know why i mean i think the thing that true detective does do particularly well is it's very good at prob- giving you problems to solve and yes. it's very good at sending you down the rabbit hole i remember and that that's was... what we both like i think in terms of television like being able to go to listen to podcasts or read discussions afterwards all these theories are just that was why you know watching twin peaks was fun yeah completely. the return um love all of that stuff yeah i just worry going forward that i'm i'm hoping that it gives answers soonish rather than kind of holding out until the very very you don't end. want one episode at the end where it's all crammed no. in which is you know has been a bit of a problem castle rock was a little bit similar yeah um although slightly better paced but yeah i feel i feel similar to you now i'm like okay we need to we've set up a lot of 
we've set it all up now. It needs to kind of, something needs to happen. It needs to unravel. We need to begin to see like what is true and what is not true, or we need to get a better picture of what is happening. Completely. And I think that there's a lot of comparisons to season one. So you've obviously got the kind of the dynamics of the two, the partners, Mm. the detectives, just that, but you've also got the multiple timelines, the idea of a grander conspiracy of some kind, the use of the occult, you know, children going missing. Oh, I'm, yeah, just automatically assuming that anyone in any authority role is just a paedophile at this point. I'm like, involved in paedophile ring, pedo ring, pedo ring, everything. Yep, so you've got the two detectives working as partners but with differing outlooks Mm -hmm. here it's interesting as well because race plays into it quite heavily um you've got general weirdness in the south you've got (sighs) just weirdness yeah i mean i do think and i have read a few things about next week's episode Mm -hmm. that people have picked up on on that kind of hbo like here's what's going to be happening next week yeah which i'm glad we didn't have that actually yeah i'm really glad we didn't have it which spoiler warning is the suggestion that there is the potential for it to be linking up with season one yeah i i think and that's not a surprise to me no i think and that's why i was saying like at the beginning like it's this you know supposed to be an anthology series but i think you can see that this is going the same way as season one and they could easily exist in the same universe as yeah and and there's a there is a really great article on the ringer about how there's a lot of theories on Reddit in particular mm. about the way that God seasons bless one, Reddit. Right? What would we do without Reddit? It's just glorious. Um, well, the way that seasons one and three could be connected, mm-hmm. which we'll link to it because it's very interesting. And then obviously it'll be it'll be mm. sort of. I'm interested to see where episode five does go. Yeah. Subsequently, um, have you got any theories about who the killer could be? Because there's one I'm obsessed with. Okay, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna cover theories, but you can cover oh, if you want to cover your theory. You um, certainly can. So this is a spoiler. Okay, not really a spoiler, but if you're if you're if we'll you haven't watched it so this, far, this maybe fast forward to the next timestamp if you don't um, want to hear it. One particular theory I read about this week was this came from Vanity Fair, which again, who got it from Reddit, was this idea that the killer responsible for these for the murder could be Amelia. Hayes' wife. Oh, could be. And there's a lot of interesting things. She likes disappearing and being yeah. a different person, Changing doesn't she? Changing characters and everything like that. She loves so, a change of character. And for me... This... She's injected herself into this investigation, which Mindhunter has taught me is a very... Yes. Yep. Just doing my behavioural science profile right. here. So, I, I mean, I think that's a prime example of, like, the way that Nick Pizzolato yeah. is so interested i think in constructing these weird narratives where they're kind of to send you down rabbit holes to make you spend hours reading about stuff that probably isn't going to be relevant but it's so much fun it's fun that i think that is that's what i've enjoyed yeah that is what i've enjoyed so i'm hoping that it will like we'll hoping we'll come up with it with some answers but we'll also spend a bit more time having fun with the sort of series because that's some that's a huge part of the enjoyment really isn't it and yeah, we'll definitely. i guess when it's finished we'll come back and revisit and see whether it kind of lived up to what we were hoping for just a couple of things on the music front that i wanted to acknowledge rather than review just acknowledge firstly i think january 2019 and twitter has been like the territory of Lizzo and Juice. She's so which, good. I mean, that's just been. I think it feel. I feel the need for it to be acknowledged. She's so in good. quite a wintry season. That it is wonderful. Yeah. I was listening on the way back. I went to Edinburgh last week on holiday, which was very nice but very cold. And on the way back, I was listening to James Blake's new album, Assume Form, which was quite good. So good. So good. So like first album since like 2013 or something like that. And I used to really, really love listening to James Blake when I worked in retail randomly. It's perfect um, like winter cold music. So good. Isn't so it? good. Sad boy music. It's got some. St- 
you know, some random random guests on that, Andre 3000, that sort of thing, sure. but really good. And also, I just wanted to acknowledge, because I had quite a few people contacting people us about have this. Asked. The people have asked, how do we feel about Kelsey Carter, Harry? And for those that aren't don't know automatically who we're talking about, Kelsey Carter is this LA-based singer who, um, she's 28, she appeared... She went viral online, really, um, for a Harry Styles, shitty Harry Styles tattoo that she got tattooed on her face by Romeo Lacoste, who is this tattoo artist to the stars. He's tattooed Bieber and Ariana and those types. Um, she got his face <laughs> tattoo, um, which apparently is, you know, a big scandal. But haha, funnily enough, the day after she did that, um, she released a song called Harry. So it's just, not bad. It's just oh god, it's not bad. You know, I wanted to go into it hating it so I could just be a little brat, but actually, it's quite a good song. When you sent it to me, you were like, because I'd seen the Harry face tattoo and and was like, that's clearly fake. But also, if she has done that madness, I was like, what is going on here? And then it was like, she's a singer. Like something's coming. Yeah, and then, and then you sent yeah. me the video. We were like, can you listen to this? I need your opinion. And I and I went into it thinking, oh god, this is going to be the most embarrassing thing I'm going to have seen all day. Um, and it wasn't. Are you now just annoyed that you didn't think of it first? Yeah, I am. I am. This is a way of getting Harry Styles' attention. Is this like a musician's equivalent of when I aggressively comment on celebrities' Instagram posts with lots of emojis or something? Yeah, just yeah. like hoping that like Jill is going to go her. like, oh, good emoji use. Oh, I'll look her you. profile. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I you know, it's I hope. I hope she actually the only thing I would say is I hope she is actually a Harry Styles fan because if this turns out to be entire you know it's forgivable that she got a fake tattoo to promo this song but if there's any level of fakery around her actual interest in Harry Styles those people are going to sniff her out and kill her well, what are like, you that gonna, is not fun what are you going to do if she meets him um, well they are going to meet each other now aren't they and I'm going to be insanely jealous but I guess she went to all this effort so she probably my favourite thing actually is the reaction online with people being like this girl's a fucking psycho and it's like you literally stalk his entire yeah, life yeah calm down guys you stalk his entire life you cannot accuse some girl of writing a song called harry and that it's like too creepy the song's not bad she's obviously a bit talented of some kind i mean, fair I mean play poor girl's lana del rey but still yeah fine, like, fine catchy well bop it's I mean, a bop we're talking about it on this podcast so she's obviously so clearly we have to um bailey level. also asked how far would we go with our standing and I, I mean i would go this far i would definitely go write a song yeah. and fake a tattoo far i mean I, think, I i would get real tattoo far not on my face but no i think my worry is that like you don't want to go too far that the person is just put off so then you lose all your chances is going featuring in an article on refinery 29 about being an adult timothy chalamet stand too far that's not too far no that's okay fine, fine. Brilliant. That's all I That's need to know. That's not threatening, is it? No, no, no. No, I'm too... I can't be threatening. I just run the other way. I, I can't be asked to go and like stand outside his hotel or like... I, Pro- I probably could, but I don't have the time. I just can't be bothered. Or it's a bit cold, so I probably yeah. won't do it. But if I if I had some free time, I might go and do it, but I'm probably not if going If I to. wasn't so busy doing, you know, all the other things I just do in life... Just then what, maybe, like watching Netflix? Yeah, if I couldn't... If I Eating have, bananas. Yeah, if I, I didn't have a lot of Netflix to watch, Yeah, a lot of podcasts to edit a lot yeah. of you know 
things to be reading on nine the to five. If I didn't have a nine to five, maybe I would spend all my yeah. time hanging outside. But I definitely write. I'm probably just annoyed that I didn't write this song first. To be we honest. could write one it's, if you want. It's a bop. I yeah can't criticize it really. Good for her. I mean, this tattoo's clearly not real. If it was, it would be the worst thing that has anything happened to anyone because it does look. It was like. Awful. Here's some advice: don't get a bad tattoo tattoos. on your face. Yeah. Hey guys, so the recording of this podcast ended up running super long and we decided to split it in two, so tune in soon for the second half. The episode should download from all your usual places as normal and you can also find more info on twitter.com forward slash the thirst.